This is the Fatherhood Unlocked podcast, and my name is Dan Doty. I'm a father of three, an outdoorsman, and a meditator, and supporting dads to be the best version of themselves is my highest calling. Fatherhood is the biggest rite of passage in a man's life. It's our biggest opportunity to grow up, to wake up, and to learn who we actually are. I believe that a father's love is the biggest missing vitamin on the planet. This podcast is intended to be a lightning rod to call men to action, to create community, and to set a new tone and standard for what fatherhood means. Welcome to Fatherhood Unlocked. In my mid-20s, I moved to New York City for the first time, and I literally stepped out of a wilderness trip in northern Minnesota and uh, took a quick shower and jumped on an airplane and found myself uh, living in the Bronx and teaching high school. I, I moved there to become a New York City teaching fellow. And uh, I landed at this amazing school called the Bronx Guild. And it was a, one of the most intense and hard and challenging and beautiful and fun and just fantastic chunks of my life. And there was a crew of teachers there, mostly young, uh, mostly pretty passionate, really wild and interesting and brilliant and just wonderful people. And one of those people was my guest today, Ben Redman. Ben has been a very, very close and dear friend for 15, 16 years now. We met as co-teachers of that school and we <laughs> we just did all, we've done all kinds of stuff together uh, and not the least of which is raising children at the same time, becoming parents, becoming mature men. And uh, Ben is a wonderful men's group facilitator, a coach, a therapist by training and he is specializing with uh, people going through transitions. And one of those transitions he specializes in is uh, men going through divorce. And he has created a program called The Forge, which is an experience and retreat for men going through divorce. And today we're really going to talk a lot about that. Ben has gone through divorce himself and is a father to two really wonderful daughters. That's all I'm doing for an intro today. Enjoy this conversation with Ben Redmond. All right, so you, you tasted your own urine. Like, was it like, <laughs> did you like project it up? Like, no, uh, I was, lasso your body? no, I, no, I had to pee in a car not long ago mm. and, uh, peed into a bottle and then that bottle made its way onto a countertop and then I forgot what was in the bottle on the countertop and I took a swig was and it? I was like oh that's that tastes exactly like I expected it to <laughs> yeah you know funny. my favorite part about wait so how but the pet like the grossness depends on how old was it had it been like fermenting in the car in the summer mm. heat no, not too long. No, it's pretty fresh. Yeah. Dad hacks. Don't don't let your pee ferment in a urine bottle for too long before you take an accidental sip. You know, my favorite part about urination, aside from urination, is that like it smells like whatever I ate. Like if I eat chicken, it smells like chicken soup. <laughs> if I smell like if I drank coffee, yeah, you know, if I forgot I drank coffee, then I know I drank coffee. 
you know that we're gonna put this in the show that's fine man all right i well, this is this is me yeah this I'm is you show up this is us ben um welcome to fatherhood unlocked for everybody for everybody's sake this is ben redmond and uh we've known each other for a very long time and we first met why don't you tell the story of how we met that'd be fun oh this this would be fun so um i had been we were both work i had been working at the bronx guild for a year as a um crew leader and yeah i had graduated some kids and then so this is a high school in the bronx just so everybody public high school in the bronx thank you and so um then i cycled back down because you started with the kids in in uh freshman year and took them all the way up to senior year supposedly and so um i you know dan was the new recruit and you know he was it's he was like just this really quiet dude really shy like guy and he was like so what do i do like tell me what like you know where are the the hacks or whatever we use the word hacks back then and i I don't know what advice i gave him but he really came onto my radar when um shanita mentioned you right she's like "Ooh, dan's so sexy she's like she's like "Mm." i don't know what she said but like it was like i want to just eat him those broad shoulders i was like oh she was yeah one of the loves of my life one of the deep loves of my life oh yeah i I always not a not a student just let's just be really clear (laughs) oh yeah no she She was was a a master teacher i i always taught uh uh, next to um like that strong maternal black woman and like it was just like my five years teaching there that was the best like they i don't know yeah grounded me we're gonna get ourselves in trouble on this show so um (laughs) Ben and I met about 15 years ago. We were co-teachers at a small public high school in the Bronx. And yeah, we didn't really like each other at first. No. And then we did. And then we did. Um, and then I and moved then, in. And then you moved in <laughs> yeah, very quickly. And here we are many years later, many uh, life events later. And uh, Ben has been a, a, a one of my closest friends ever since. And it was a big part of my years at Everyman and was in on all of that and uh, is a therapist and a coach and a father and just a damn good, uh, a, just a damn good friend, but a damn good therapist, a damn good coach. And just um, is, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's exciting to be having this conversation. So I'm going to frame just very briefly, I think some of the points here, Ben, but then we can just do whatever we want. All right. Or we can, right. we can just talk about old stories that nobody understands if we want the whole episode. Yeah. That might really just be fun. Um, I want to say right Two up listeners. front that you just launched a really uh, pretty substantial thing in your world, um, a retreat for divorcing dads and uh, a retreat bringing divorced men going through uh, divorce or various stages of divorce together for uh, brotherhood and connection and growth and healing and transformation and and solidarity and all of those things. So I just want to kind of put that on the table. Um, a fair amount of this conversation is going to be uh, about the experience of divorce and what it means, but that's just a starting point. Mm-hmm. So welcome, man. I will formally start. Thank you. All right. Great to be here. Yeah. So I like to have people orient themselves in time and space. Like, where are you in time and space right now? Um, it is 3:42 in Charleston, West actually Dunbar, West Virginia, which is uh, the uh, therapy office I work out of. Um, 
All right. And uh, yeah, tell us about uh, tell us about your kids. Tell us about being a dad. Just give us give a little biographical snapshot through the lens of fatherhood. All right. So um, just to keep it simple, uh, I've got ADHD, um, and I've got two daughters, and both of them are also neurospicy. One has a uh, Down syndrome. My youngest, Sibby, she's ten, and my oldest, Raya, she is a uh, neurospicy like me. Oh, I don't know. Use all the letters. <laughs> yeah, neuro neurodivergent, whatever. You know, uh, I don't want to go into too many details, but it is um, exciting when when both people, uh, even when the adult doesn't have a, a huge amount of, of executive function <laughs> to rely on. Actually, I actually didn't know that about Raya. I, I was not. I was not clear on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she, she is like me, um, mm-hmm. but she is, uh, she's loud and she's not in a tent. She's like probably hyperactive, not really in t- and inattentive. Gotcha. So, would you? How does it feel to be the best dad that ever lived? <laughs> um, I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> That was a bad joke, but I but but I think you're a really wonderful dad. Like I really do. Like like when you visit and the way you interact with my boys and just like your natural capacity for uh, for relating to kids, I think is I think is is pretty unique and pretty special. So that's just a straightforward compliment for you. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I'm composed of 60 percent inner child, thirty five percent tenacity, and five percent Cal. <laughs> Five percent what? Kale. Kale. Okay. <laughs> Do you still eat a lot of kale? I try to. <laughs> I try to. Makes it pleases me. It, it it's it's a deep sadness that I want. Uh, it's been another season where I haven't been able to grow my, grow my own kale and harvest it from my yard because <laughs> there's a lot of deer around. All right. So ADHD. Two two girls. Um, I think you did. You mention the divorce. Did you mention you're a divorced dad? Oh yeah. Yourself? So yeah. So I, I uh, married um, my ex-wife um, 2011. Dan was there, um, and I um, and then you know things went down, started going downhill. Um, you know, I've got my own story too. I, I don't know if I'll go into the whole big story about the divorce and how it felt, how things fell apart, or how they're sort of destined to fall apart as I see it. Um, but yeah, um, I was actually in Everman Foundations training and I um, you know, decided I had a little vision and I decided I needed to go to the woods and the mountains of uh, New Mexico. And um, I did a, a self-led vision fast where I just sat in the woods and, um, you know, I killed my family and was cleaned by flies. You might want to, you might want to flash that one out a little bit further. <laughs> I don't know. I guess this is, you might want to say a little more about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think, you know, one thing that we, you know, um, a huge, what I'm really about is, um, you know, as a society, we are horrible at, at grieving. We're not really good at feeling pain, but we're horrible at grief. We just tend to move on. And so, um, you know, in, in many um, indigenous traditions, they, when there's a, a rite of passage, a transition in, in a man's or a woman's life, they frequently will send the person out into the woods, into the wild alone, 
maybe supported and and see what happens and you know if they come back then they come back but what happens when you're in the woods alone is um and you stay in the same spot you really connect with nature and then nature just sort of i know it sounds like so super woo woo but it <laughs> it really starts to clean you out and then you know i i know it, like it, it for me it like would crush me and then I'd be like on the ground praying to God for help. <laughs> and then like, there'd be like some kind of sign. Anyways, as I did, as I went through this process, sitting in silence in the woods, um, there was a, a point uh, one time when I, um, in that trip where I had made a little altar uh, with a picture uh, that I hadn't drawn stick picture of my family because I forgot the picture of my family. And I just heard in my head, like, you need to kill your family. I was like, oh, fuck, I've, <laughs> I've gone over the edge. And, and it scared me. Um, and then I realized um, then I realized what I was being told to do. And that was to figuratively destroy my family and kill my family. And so... Um, so I went, so I left my circle, um, because you're not supposed to pee, poop, or vomit in your circle. And I, you know, I tried, I did a little vomiting of nothing because I was fasting. Um, and then once I had kind of collected myself, um, I came back and I, I burned that picture. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and then... And then it was quiet. And then it was like, and then I remember I woke up the next day and, and I was out there for three nights, three days and three, three nights. And, and, um, at, at new in the, in the, when the sun was high, the flies would come out. And so, you know, and so you're with the flies and you're just like swatting them away and you're getting annoyed by them. And, you know, you just kind of, you kind of, I think you kind of lose, you sort of lose your mind or you gain your mind, but, um, you know, I, well, I, I say lose your mind so you can find a better one. Um, but so I sort of was like, the trees are my brothers, the rivers, my brothers, the flies are my brothers. What, what do, what do flies do? They eat detritus, they eat decay. And so I got naked, I laid down. And I just kind of let the flies do their work. Um, occasionally, this is the best podcast interview I've ever done. <laughs> occasionally, swatting them away from from my manhood because um, <laughs> I couldn't take that too much. But I um, and I just really felt like you know, metaphorically, you know, they were cleaning me out. Um, I spiritually you know, I was being cleaned. And, um, so is what you're, is what you're sort of insinuating here is it was in this experience that, that you realized you needed to, how you needed to execute a divorce and, and change up the, the fabric of the family you'd created. It wasn't, it wasn't really then. I, even though I had like killed my family, quote unquote, um, I didn't really realize it. <laughs> I, I came out, I ate a lot of food. I went to visit, uh, two friends in Denver I'm driving home as the front range is is um getting smaller in my rearview mirror. I, I started 
beating my steering wheel and screaming like I'm surprised I haven't told the story in a while. I'm surprised how emotional I'm getting. But screaming like, no, 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 I don't want it. I don't want it. No, no, no. I didn't know why I was doing that. And then um and then I pulled over and I had to get some gas. So I got some gas. And as I'm pumping the gas, I'm like, oh, I need to move out. I need to move out of my home. Got it. Got it. And you know, in these transitions, what I noticed is that like, you know, to the external observer, you would say, oh, you're going to get divorced. But to me, I wasn't getting divorced, right? Because my my mind, my conscious brain could not take that. It was like my unconscious mind was only giving me bite-sized portions. Yeah, that's you know? what it seems like. Like, how do you eat an elephant? Yeah. One bite at a time, right? I'm so glad we're talking about this. You know, uh, I feel it's like one of the elephants, one of the many elephants in the room about fatherhood and just adulthood in general. Giant right? flies um, in your penis. <laughs> yeah, that one for sure. Uh, no, the fact that this stuff breaks up, right? I mean, and obviously a, a large percentage of, of um, you know, couples go through this and have gone through this. And so, uh, but I do think what I'm hearing you saying, what's resonant to me is that, um at least for me there's there my marriage started with a sense of just this like almost blind gripping or will or like this will work we mm-hmm. will see this through yeah right? <laughs> yeah and um you know my wife and i without going to all the gory details i mean we've we've come very close to uh, to separation and divorce and 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 even recently we went through a, a wave of like i don't yeah. know i don't know i don't yeah. know how this is going to turn out you know and the um a really important like experience for me was i mean my makeup my sort of background my subconscious sort of structure tends to be like i will we will get through this like whatever the fuck I'll, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you name it i can handle it you right. know we can fucking figure this out but but coming to a point of like actually like you said the beginning here like we suck at grieving we suck at loss we're we're not really can we're not good when it happens and we're not good in connection to it up leading up to it anyway becoming honest with uh like truly honest and real with the possibility of breaking a family up it's just, it's just, for me, it's, it's absolutely terrifying. It just, so I can only imagine like, yeah. where you were. In that, yeah. In that it's experience. a horrible nightmare because, because, you know, what I noticed because as I grieved, like it, it, it came in waves and, and like, there would be like, I mean, the first wave was just like, I don't know, like three, four months of just like lots of crying <laughs> and like, going, it wasn't just crying most mornings. Um, and then, like that subsided, I think like the first, there's the first reprieve like in January. And then what I noticed is like, then there'd be an uptick in the emotions and each new wave had like a theme. So it was like, I would like, like be mourning the loss of my relationship with my ex, right? I'd be mourning the loss of the time with my children, which I think I still kind of still do grieve a little bit um, because I was, in acrimony and conflict and shut down because of the, you know, what was going on. Um, the part where I, I was grieving the loss of my future because like we build this whole narrative to, to contextualize our life 
and and in which we can live and and that is how we get we create security for ourselves by envisioning a future yeah and i had to burn all that down you know and so many different things but um i mean those were the ones that i really remember yeah oh man yeah you know it's it's a pretty common sort of trope or or theme to to know that um breakdown creates space for new life right and i don't think yeah it fucking sucks it fucking sucks it just fucking sucks you know yeah i mean you know a lot of times i'll have clients come in i'll be like oh the big thing i do is like what problem can i help you with you know and and sometimes they'll sort of like to summarize them sometimes like i just don't want to feel pain or sorrow or sadness or anger or guilt envy all those things i'm like all right <laughs> so it's, so this is um this is therapy and so we're going to be realistic here and you know life give, gives us like two promises and the first one is death and the second one is suffering and pain and i and and the example i sometimes give is my sister was pregnant with a really wanted pregnancy and and the you know 20 weeks they had a body scan uh, of the baby and it had like a horrible brain malformation so like one to ten percent chance of living to term one to ten percent chance of living a year and if he did he would have lived in excruciating pain right so like from all the procedures and so it's like like yeah like i've i've had a lot of happiness pleasure and great times but that's not the promise of life i'm lucky right there's some people who live really horrible horrible lives you know and people just want pleasure i'm like no no <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean we could I, we could recount a lot of the story there's a there's an immense amount of time and experience that went into this but I don't know if you can you can kind of zoom the the timeline forward on the Netflix show of your of your life and experience of separation totally. and parenting. Um, how have you changed? How has divorce changed you? How has it transformed you? So, um, I am way more comfortable with the word no. I'm a ang I'm anger's biggest advocate. Um, and I've really um, you know, from like you know, working with you and every man and like and Brett Golfney and my my therapist Sky Kirshner, you know, I, I think especially in this past few years, Sky Kirshner like have really learned how to like feel my no because like that's like half a life like to know what you don't want because if you know what you don't want then you know what you do want typically and so mm. i'd say it's like really simply i i learned how to say no i'm getting better and better at saying no yeah and better better i don't know if i'm better and better accepting <laughs> Like, like the ways that I'm not a great father, but I, 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 I've at least been able to, you know, walk down, you know, walk down like a pretty, oh, here's, I'll tell you 
the scariest thought I ever had, and I, I'm very open. The scariest thought I ever had was going through the divorce and processing everything. I I just thought I'm like, oh, I'm I'm gonna abandon my children. I'm gonna just like this is too much. I'm just gonna start over and move out west or move out to like East Asia and just start over. And it was so terrifying. I couldn't share it with anyone for weeks and I'm very open. And then finally I did start sharing it and I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. But there's so much that happens. And maybe what I'd like to talk about is like the transition process. Okay. Yeah. Great. So, so um, you know, the transition process, like it starts with an ending and it ends with a new beginning. And in between is I call it the neutral zone, liminal space, the space in between, no man's land. And so um, grief is accepting, going through all sorts of steps and letting, learn like all the pain and suffering of grief and loss. And then before, actually, I, I like I like the tomato analogy. Um, so I talk about. A, like a tomato plant so a tomato plant here it's september or october there's still some tomatoes growing and so these tomatoes they they have organization they take in air they take in oxygen through their stomata through their leaves they take in water um, from the roots and they take in sun and together they create sugars and they create more tomato plant more tomatoes right so there's a flow there's an organization and, and a system going so then you know the you pull the tomato plant up. Well, it continues living for a little bit, but then it starts losing resources and eventually it does die. And then what happens really quickly is that it starts breaking down at the smallest leaves. It starts breaking down. And when we say breaking down, what we mean is that it goes from an ordered system to a chaotic system. The entropy or randomness increases, right? And so like then we, we go October, November, December, January, you know, would you plant a, a, a tomato or plant something in January? No, probably not. And you got to go until like about April, April, May here. And, you know, where there was a tomato plant. Now, maybe you've got like the root ball, but you mainly just have um, like this chaotic soil, like all, all, the, all, all, all the material broken down. And so the death is obviously... The end is like, and the letting go is that breaking down. And, and then the chaos is the in-between where there's just nutrients that are unused. And this is the field of infinite possibility, right? And be, and so what we have to do when we're in a transition is that we have to like take some time and we need to sit in silence. And it can be in nature. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be for like a weekend or, you know, four days. It can be like for half hour a day, it, but you just sit in silence, not meditating, not breathing, just letting your brain chew, th like think and chew through things. And what happens is that you have this idea, these ideas, oh, maybe I'll do this with my life. Maybe I'll become an astronaut. Maybe I'll become a dinosaur. Maybe, you know, I'll become a deep sea diver. I don't know. Maybe I'll build my own submarine and take it down. Um, but like, eventually what happens is that you don't really choose something, but something tends to rise. You don't get to choose what's going to come in the new beginning. But something does sort of rise up on its own. And then you're like, that's it. And then you jump and then you take action. I'm so with you. We're going to try something here. And I have a little visitor into the podcast. Oh, yeah. 
Oh my um, gosh, so much bigger. I love the hair. Wilderness Rose. So so maybe we'll just edit this out <laughs> and it won't work, or maybe this will work. <laughs> oh, but look, she just brought up a picture of my wife and I from way back. Oh yeah, that is way back. When we first moved to Maine. Yeah. Oh, when you first moved to 2020. Did you bring me that picture? Mama. We're just talking about entropy and tomato plants. Yeah, that is mama. We're talking about divorce and entropy and tomato plants. Yeah. I like to divorce tomatoes from their organization in my mouth. So I think it's really good to call out this transition. It needs to happen. Obviously, ending of a marriage, the changing of a family is a massive transition. Like, I mean, come on, like as big as it gets almost, right? It's, it's, it's a huge thing. So what do you, go ahead. Well, I think, I think also the question is like, well, like maybe you're not going to like, you know, sit, lie down naked in the woods with flies, but like, why? What's the point of slowing down into this? And I'll tell you the point. The point is, so your next partner is not your old partner in new skin. Yeah. That's why. So you don't repeat the same mistakes because your unconscious mind just wants to, unless you do a lot of healing and do a lot of work. Yeah. So this is one of your areas of specialty. You, you, you support, you support transitions of all kinds, but you support um, men going through divorces and yeah, man, I mean, what, uh, I'm sure it's, it's, there's a lot of things you do. There's a lot of things you think about, but how do you, how do you support a man to, yeah, to do what needs to be done? You know, it's just like with any client, I meet them where they are. Um, you know, if there's a, a lot of emotions going on, um, we certainly sit, slow down and we work with those, um, and a lot of times, you know, and, and, you know, they make some space for that, or we do an offsite, but then also there is so much insecurity about being a father. Interrupting this just for 27 seconds to tell you about intentional fathering. Intentional fathering is an audio course that you can get access to quickly. And I would dare say immediately it's a private podcast and it's full of guided meditations and perspective and stories and education about how to show up as a father today, about what it takes, about what it might take for you. Check it out at dandoty.com slash intentional fathering. Insecurity around fathering, insecurity around like insecurity having kids. Let's, let's, let's say more about that because I think that's actually really, it's one of the fundamental sort of reasons that I've leaned into this topic and, and I'm focusing my efforts around fatherhood is, is that, um, I mean, I think you would probably agree that a present, uh, good enough dad is a, just like a, a wild accelerant into the quality of life in, in the moment right. and beyond. And my sense has always been that so many dads are walking around with no clue whether they're doing it good enough and suspecting that they're not. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, I think going a little deeper into um, dad's feelings of insecurity about yeah. parenting is actually pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah. So um, I'm going to just start off with uh, a roomy poem. Okay. And uh, they don't have titles. So 
I said, what about my eyes? He said, keep them on the road. I said, what about my passion? He said, keep it burning. I said, what about my heart? He said, what do you hold inside it? I said, pain and sorrow. He said, stay with it. The wound is the place where the light enters you. When, when was Rumi alive? Oh, no, before me. Long ago. I, I think like 15th century. But did they have cars and roads? No, I think had they had carts. So this two dudes sitting on a cart. He's like, keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> I think I think he was talking about walking. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> no, he, Rumi, Rumi wasn't talking about like distracted driving. Yeah, I was just like picturing Rumi in a fucking 93 Ford Explorer, like driving down the highway. It's like, dude. <laughs> seen... Yeah. Watching Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, maybe, <laughs> maybe him too. But um, but the reason I say that is because, and I think you, you, you know this too, Dan, is that, you know, and um, when we're working with people as coaches, as therapists, like, what I realize is that the people who, when they come to me, the reason they're coming to me is because they're stuck. You know, basically they're running old programs from childhood and they're using them in adulthood and they're no longer effective. And because there's a wound there and people are angry at their parents because they wounded them. But here's the secret. Like, and I think other guests have said this, we are going to hurt our children. We're, and we're probably not going to hurt them the way that our parents hurt us but we're going to hurt them and they're going to have a wound and that's okay. And it's actually necessary. And it's also a gift because it's the place where the light enters. Right. And so I just like to, well, that's say, a poetic way to say it, but what do you, but say, say more in practical terms, how is it a gift to fuck your kids up? I mean, we don't like, I'm not trying to fuck my kids up. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, but like, I mean, one, we got to be realistic because, you know, there's something that I've done or will do that will harm my daughters. And it will be something that they're talking to their therapist when they're 25 or 30 or whenever. And they're like my dad or my mom or whatever. And, and that is, and, and maybe they're not blaming us, but maybe they're talking about something that happened and uh, like some pattern that's coming up. And it is in addressing this old pattern, which was really useful in keeping this, this child safe and alive when they were a child, but addressing this pattern and, and kind of, you know, turning it off. What I've found in the past few years is that like, um, I'm uh, just like changing the programming in people's brains. There's like these, all these ways that like, I mean, the brain, the brain works in systems. So anyways, I'm not gonna go down that road, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, uh, like healing these old wounds. And then like, and just like with me, like, as I'm healing these wounds, as I'm learning to say, say no to this person and that person and this, I have more energy for myself and I'm directing it where I want to direct it just in my yeah. life, you know, yeah. because I'm tending to my wound. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't remember who I was talking to or where I heard this, but uh, it's interesting, right? Because I think I feel it, and I and I hear parents say this all the time about how 
We don't want them to hurt, right? We don't want them to feel pain. We want them to be safe. We want things to be good, right? I mean, in some sense, there seems to be some biological drive of like creating comfort and shelter, but it's uh, whoever this came from was like, listen, you give, you set your kid up for ease and perfection and everything. And then you let them out the door to go out in the world and they're fucking toast. Right. right. They are going to get just destroyed. Like you, like our imperfections at parent as parents are sort of fundamentally necessary for a basic level of resilience in order to, to walk around the planet without, um, I mean, entitlement is, is one example. Entitlement is one of those things. You know, I worked with teen boys for a long time and, um, it's interesting how that one crops up. Right. And, and even in myself, I think that's, that's one of the sort of subconscious thing. I had a mom who did a lot of things for me when I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's one of the things I look out for in my own self. And, um, but yeah, it's interesting because, but, but if I, if I think about it a little bit deeper, like I don't want my kids to have it super easy, but it's also puts me in this weird position of like trying to, calculate or navigate like you know like where should it be easy what should be you know but what's the right level of hardship or i don't know i I do i look to you i'd look to you in a lot of these conversations because i think that you just have a um when you talk about you know the what kids need in terms of just boundaries and and love and things like that it's it's always been helpful a helpful sort of waypoint for me yeah, and like as a practicing Buddhist, you know that suffering is part of the deal, right? So, so how about just like we we don't start our kids at calculus, we start them at addition and subtraction. How about we start at suffering, at addition and subtraction, right? And 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 really like, you know, I mean, I, I've been sort of working with this idea that life is really simple, like, like we this is there's four things i like this i don't like this i want this i don't want this and we our brains form a map based on this whole thing in life and whenever we hit something that we don't like or we don't want we have or even something that we do want we have it creates an emotion right and that emotion is actually like either how we're celebrating the map in our head or how we're like fixing the map in our head to match Mm. reality. And, you know, I mean, every day we're not getting our way and, you know, pretty much all day long. (laughs) I was like, yeah, especially as a dad. And like, you know, like we just, we do things because we said we would and we want to follow through and we, we do things because even though we don't want to do them because there's a higher value to it. But like, but I think what we got to do is is just realize that a kid, like for instance, it's age appropriate for children up to seven years old to throw temper tantrums, right? Yeah. And so that's that's the age seven, huh? Up to seven. Yeah, that's that's yeah. From from my studies, you know, and like because like they don't really seven's like what is it? They, they uh, like priest said like oh give me the child uh, the first seven years and then you can have him back i think they said like you know and and he'll be mine for the rest of of his life basically Mm. i mean kids are pretty much they they're uh, yes they do use the conscious mind 
because the frontal lobe because it's got you know logic and it does have have language but they're largely unconscious beings they don't have a lot of executive function and so we need to like when things don't go their way you know i think a lot's been talked about this they get upset you know we make space for them you know we let them have have their emotion and i i say emotions are waves and sometimes there's little breakers and sometimes there's tidal waves and they take time and they're different for each person and we just got to hold the space for the kid while they're going through that you know and they're going to say things that trigger us because that's just how life is yeah and you gotta you know we work to to hold that space and i think as we let them struggle and we support them through their struggles and not take it away from them when we take it away from them you know we're setting them up to not do anything with their life because if you take care of your kids every need and suffering and they get to just play video games and eat ho-hos um (laughs) um then then like when they're 18 or when they're whenever they go out into the world they're going to be doing they haven't worked on the addition and subtraction and they're doing calculus and they're just like, yeah. ah, fuck this. I'm just going to stay in the basement, yeah. smoke weed and play video games. I'm, I just had a thought of how, um, you know, one of the things I love more than anything as a dad, as a married dad, uh, is when my wife goes out of town. Oh, yeah. And when I get to sort of take it all on. Right. With Mm -hmm. no with no outs. And I and I can only imagine that divorce changes your (laughs) your parenting capacity in a really huge way. Yeah. 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 I think like, yeah. Um, And you sorry, I'm not setting that up as like something aspirational. But but what I mean is just like. I'm a little still stuck on this thought of, of dads being insecure about their ability to parent. But I can imagine that if in the process of separation and divorce, when all of a sudden the kids are dropped off and you're the only one, and I know you, I mean, I know obviously you can communicate or whatever, right? But I, I just, I imagine for dads, that's a, that can be a, a big shift. Yeah. I mean, a primary I, parent half the time or whatever time is allotted. Yeah. I remember um, loving it when I was just the solo dad you know, in my marriage. And, um, and so, you know, I think when you're, if you're going through big emotions, you know, um, it's, it's way more difficult, you know, and not only that, um, I'm sorry to say, but research shows that people, children of divorce have worse outcomes. And what some of the reasons they have worse outcomes is because when there's two parents in the home, so when you and Elise are parenting together and like, you know, I don't know, like Jude pooped in your beard purposefully and you're losing your mind and you're about to lose your mind, Elise taps you out and says, yeah. you need to go take a shower yeah. and, and a walk. And, yeah. and, and then she takes over. But like, there were certainly times when I was in that apartment with my girls and I lost my mind and I you know, had to take myself on a walk you know, and there was no one else. And it was, I I felt, I feel bad still that like, you know, like they were there, you know, uh, 
nine-year-old, 11-year-old by themselves. Yeah. You know, um, having, after being, me being a scary dad. But so um, dads are being insecure. So what I do is like, basically, since I, you know, I've got all this understanding of working with children from being a teacher, from working with a lot of kids here in West Virginia who are born uh, addicted to drugs, fetal alcohol syndrome and such, like really challenging like ADHD and steroids. Um, and from working, you know, with, from all this work, I just know what kids need. And so I just, I, I use the strategies, I break it down. Like these are the basics of what the kids need. You know, what, and what are those things? They need predictability and routine. A number one, they need to know when, like, if you're, when they're going into like your new place, they need predictability and routine. They need, um, I mean, really, and, and they need love and attention, obviously, but like those yep. two things, you know, and structure and like, that's the basics and that makes it safe. Yeah. So putting a few things together here, I mean, you know, again, I'm just sort of like concocting an imaginary storyline of an imaginary dad and transition occurs, divorce occurs. Uh, I can imagine, well, one of the reasons that I like working in the fatherhood context so much, um, specifically like in early fatherhood, right? Fatherhood Ready, that program that I have is that it's like a clear gateway. It's 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 like it's like a it is a moment in time where shit is changing and it is it's just the it's a right time. It's the right time for mentorship. It's the right time for community. It's the right time for support. It's the right time for education. And I imagine very much the same is true with divorce. Right? It is the right time to learn. It is the right time to have support. It's the right time for brotherhood. It's the right time for resetting because Again, just it's like the 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 image of or the sort of consolidated sense of what the world is breaks apart and um and just layering into that a little bit of what you've been sharing about, you know, emotions, kids' emotions, but also dad's emotions. And again, let's let's be honest, a lot of men are not uh probably ready to feel all that amount of emotion and they may feel under prepared to father their kids in a, in a confident way. And everybody's got a lot of emotion. It could just, I can just, I can, I'm just getting a sense of what it may be like, but where I want to go with this though, is so you just created a, a new retreat, a new program called the forge for men going through divorce. Um, I can make guesses. I think we've talked about some of it already, but why specifically did you decide to go ahead and do this? Well, um, honestly, like one of my clients, one of my divorcing dad clients asked me to put on a retreat, you know, and I was like, okay, okay, I will, you know, and, and, um, and I, you know, one of the things I feel so called to is, is taking these moments in time when your life is burning and like there's you're like you're just surrounded by death and just like being like i mean there's times there when you you're like this is not the time for transformation this is just horrible and painful and then there's also a huge opportunity and 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 taking this opportunity to really 
become more fully yourself. The forge is, it's a place for dads to come together to, to burn and to become the new person like they're in the crucible. The other thing that it provides is story. So I say silence, stories, and strategy. So silence, you sit in the woods by yourself for a while and just let whatever happens happen. Stories, the, the balm that like made my pain so much more manageable is that I, I called uh, Craig, Craig Salazar, um, just, you know, who's also a coach, um, and, and he had been through a divorce. And I would say, like, tell me about a time when, you know, you had to take care of your kids, but you had no energy at all. And he told me a story. I'd be like, oh, my God, I feel so much better. And stories really are, are nourishing. And then strategy, I, I, I give the dad's strategy and a, and a behavioral framework from which they can, you know, build a new life with their kids. Amazing. When is it? Where is it? Um, it is uh, Racebrook Lodge, uh, October the 20th to October 22nd. Amazing. The Mountain cool. House. That's the, yeah, that's East Coast. That's uh, Massachusetts, a couple hours from New York City, a couple hours from Boston. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope that this falls in the right ears. I really do. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Out of the fatherhood programming that I've been doing under the banner of Fatherhood Unlocked, you know, there's been several, you know, uh, divorcing dads in the process divorced dads, and some long time ago some fresh but just to to affirm what you said like the uh in all these years of working with men um you know the the coming together with peers and having a space to to actually hear how the fuck it is for someone else um you just kind of can't you can't beat it and you can't match it and you can't do it in any other way than sitting across from somebody and uh and connecting in that way it's it's i think it's part of just the natural the just the natural social mammalian structure of who we are and how we work and it's we just do need each other and um i would say kind of just like a uh a strong um you know, sort of recommendation for, for men going through divorce, like go do this. Like just, just, this is the kind of thing. Don't fucking think about it. Just, just go do this. You know, it'll, uh, you need, you need that. We all need it, you know, yeah. and you're providing a really unique, a unique space for, for a moment in time. That's, uh, critical. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, the, the name you, you might know this, you know, what the technical name for that is what you're describing. No, what is it? Universality universality yeah yeah uh, which is when one one and that's why group therapy is more effective than individual therapy because of universality yeah totally totally yeah i think um do you know another fancy word should we just should we trade fancy words yes <laughs> mimetic we're mimetic creatures we learn through we learn through um seeing and hearing right we mind yeah. we we like that's that's like the uh, sort of fundamental function of of how we learn in some ways, right? The so mime and mimetic have the same root. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. We think we're also fucking unique and special and creative, and like we're just rehashing everything that we've 
<laughs> we've been through and that our ancestors have been, you know, I think there's like, uh, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but I, there's, I there's people who would say so. so. I mean, I think, I think my experience is unique probably I, because I can't connect with anyone else's experience fully, but like, um, I, I would also say that like, it's probably not that important, you know, in the grand scheme of the universe. And, and, but like, I think that, I mean, I, I, what I, I, there's so many combinations of our genes, like you can never have it. Like it would take like trillions and trillions of humans to actually like, or even maybe more to like make, uh, you know, until you start having to replicate another human genome. Right. You know, and but are you saying that if it repeats and, and if there are that many, then one day there might be a future Ben. I or maybe there so. was a, no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> this, I was uniquely cooked in a special brine and braise. You know, we're just all kind of like walking around trying to make sense of shit, you know, really nonsensical shit. And, and, and just like keeping this narrative. I think it, you know, it's part of our, identity right we just like narrating in a sense making sense of all of this wild fucking life that we live and you know one of the tools that i've used a lot in my life is a map right you know like in the wilderness you have a map and i feel like um you know we can read things we can hear about things we can have a sense of things we might learn things cognitively and it never quite lands on our small, tiny little map. That's actually our, our sort of like felt experience. Right. But when we sit with someone directly and we see that they're a living, breathing human with some similarities to us, and they tell us a story that connects to where we are, it just, it throws it right in the center of that fucking map. Right. And not like it goes through the map into our bodies. Right. Mm -hmm. it, and it's, um, Yeah. And this is like basic, you know, basic grouping men's work, just stuff. But I think it's, uh, I think it's kind of maybe the, some of the most important thing I'm, I'm, <clears throat> you know, working on a lot of things right now, uh, a lot of new things and having to do with like the further complexity of technology and the world. And just like thinking a lot about what, what we all might need um as the world continues to get way more complex in the and the, the seemingly fundamental basic answer is we just need each other we just we just mm -hmm. we just have to hold on and we have to refine each other and we have to like um you know or maybe we evolve into something that doesn't need that but as long as we are still humans like that is that's us man that's what we gotta fucking do yeah we we do. And I, I think that when we see another person and we're like, that's a person and they're having the same experience as us, we're like, oh shit, this is a human. I, I'm having a human experience. I'm not, I'm not fucked up and crazy. Yeah. And I think that's actually a huge thing that happens when people are going through transitions, they feel crazy because yeah. they're losing their mind. But yeah, I mean, and I think, when we see it, someone else who's going through it, we can connect more so to our humanity because it's hard to, we've been so objectified that we forget that we are organic and not mechanical and we're not an object. Yeah.
Well, that seems like a good maybe spot to to put a period on the end of the sentence here. Anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to? Where can we? Where can we find you? Where? How can people get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me um, at divorceforge.com. You know, and if you're not going through a divorce, but you find, you know, what I've said in, interesting, you can find me on Instagram at redmond.ben and and on TikTok at Imperfect Parenting Coach. All right, man. Well, thank you. Um, this has been wonderful. And yeah, everybody check out uh, divorceforge.com for this retreat and upcoming retreats and uh, check out Ben online. And yeah, Ben has, uh, he was my first co-facilitator at the first fatherhood unlocked retreat a year ago, which is about a year ago. I was just thinking yeah. about, um, and uh, almost yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I can't recommend his work enough. So check him out, everybody. Thanks, man. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Good seeing you too. Bye-bye. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I am deeply enjoying this process and this growing community and share this widely and come back. Thanks a lot, everybody.